Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at spartanforge.ai.
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 115, and on today's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by our good friend Tom Runscavage, and Tom talked about his 2021 season and the what-ifs and how he prepared for last year. He breaks down what he learned last scouting season and how he plans to expand on that right now and put more pieces of the puzzle together. Although he didn't fill a tag last year, he was on more bucks than ever in the mountains of PA. If you're into mountain buck stories or looking to learn a little bit more about it, this is the episode for you. So enjoy this fun episode and antler up. Just got done uh, making dinner and uh, drinking a beer now. What's the what beer are you drinking? Um, it's a local thing. Um, it's it's called a uh, Susquehanna cock. <laughs> <laughs> different ones a breaker brewing company oh, it's nice. um it's kind of like south wilkes Bear area but they it's a double chocolate raspberry smidgen stout Ooh, it's delicious <laughs> if you like chocolatey smidgen raspberries <laughs> all the above all the above <laughs> i like it do you drink that with your pinky out too or um usually with my pants down <laughs> And my my fiance's underwear on. Yeah, I feel like that's how you gotta drink it. (laughs) Hey, pants down is a sensitive subject for me right now. Oh yeah, (laughs) I forgot. How you feeling about that? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. That's good. Uh, Not as bad as that photo. I was rolling. I was like, this is friggin' awesome. Yeah, that was great. We had a buddy of ours uh, get that done years ago, and that day he was like out partying he's like i feel good i'm like oh my gosh you know i feel like people would buy you shots at the bar if you just told them you had that done or like had an ice pack there on your crotch how about it yeah It'd be pretty awesome i mean i had a buddy that just uh found out his wife was pregnant and she's doing october so he's not going to get to do much cool. hunting this this year uh, so uh all his plans are kind of shut down so can't let that happen or? no third who's that oh <laughs> i probably don't know him no uh, but no, dude, I appreciate you coming on. I actually, I yeah. wanted, I wanted to just kind of have you recap like your season just because, you know, we've just, you know, shared images of, of nice deer locating deer and, yeah. you know, just scouting a little bit. And I know I want to talk to even like, where were you at this point last year that led you to kind of the season that you had to, Okay, now what were your takeaways from that? Maybe to change things, not change things. Kind of go off of that if that makes sense a little bit. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, sounds good. I have all my friggin' pictures out right now on the floor. I, I'm like a, I do like a, uh, I'll talk about it in the thing, but um, yeah, like deer playing cards pretty much. I, I, I like hands on things, so I, I have all like my deer pictures. Like I'll, at the end of the season, I'll print them out. Yep. And um, kind of like baseball cards in the back, I'll write like the dates of when I've seen them, the locations, just so I can always have them on me and stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, we'll uh, we'll go right into it. So we're live. We're back for another episode of the uh, Antler Podcast. So thanks for tuning in. We got our good friend. We got Tomer and Scavage on, and uh, you could remember from you know previous episodes, he's just been on on a live show with some friends. We've did the podcast when we were in Delaware together and then we had you on probably about this time last year uh, maybe yeah close yeah, to it I think, I think so yeah right around that time so appreciate you coming on and wealth of knowledge and uh love uh chatting it up buddy so thanks dude 
Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here again. Yeah. Is your is your name still Drop Time Tom? Oh or? yeah, Drop Time Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Jim cursed me by saying that uh, I had the lucky uh, shoe after that season because then Delaware. Well, we know how that all went with yep. uh, our our four days out there, and then my season didn't end with a, a buck tag filled. So I blame this all on Jim for <laughs> not filling my tag. How about it? Call you no no buck Tom. Now. Yeah. No buck Tom. Yeah, it's gonna be the new nickname for. Until the fall. How I just uh we were showing I showed you that image of uh the buck that was killed unfortunately by a car. I I'm trying to figure out I wanna get a hold of my data and try to have him pry around a little bit to when that deer was hit by that car because looking at the ground, it was still kind of lush green. Uh that grass. Yeah, it looked early. It still looked early. So I wanna I'm anxious to to see if when we could find out because the guy who share that information with him. He, uh, he's a good dude. He's not, you know what I mean? He's not going to hide any information. He's a retired police officer and stuff. So I'm anxious to, to hear about that just because man, the couple of spots where I'm planning on going here in, in two weeks to go scout around up there, that, that was one of them kind of in that vicinity where those deer worked their way down and cross the street a little bit. So okay, trying to, little swampy area try to go look around yeah i mean you show any that anybody that picture of that buck and you tell them that's from pennsylvania they're gonna tell you tell you you're, you're a liar because that thing is a monster yeah it's just crazy i mean like even the picture that you sent me of that buck uh after i sent you that one he like that yours that you sent me just looks like that pomaded just monster like yeah just, old pa like not just old like necessarily pa but like an old mountain buck and yeah. the one that I'm talking about that was killed on the property where I hunt back at home, that sucker looked like an Illinois deer. You know what I mean? Not a, mm-hmm. he like just judging from that rack, it doesn't look monstrous as far as thickness goes, but I mean, he just has trash all over him. I mean, that's yeah. just bizarre. Bizarre. I mean, me and some of my local buddies, like we'll share pictures throughout the season of like other people um, like that have killed deer around the area and yeah. like, like the amount of high quality deer coming out of this area is, is really spectacular. And it's, it's really hard to believe. Cause yeah. like, I, I mean, like I said, there's, these are deer are, are, are easily, a lot of them are pushing like 140, 150 range. And like people go out to the Midwest, Iowa, Kansas for these kind of deer. And they're right here in our backyard, which is, is crazy to think about. Just got to go find them. Yeah. Yeah. They're there. <laughs> That's what I even think the crazy thing is. You see a lot of these two and a half year olds that are killed and they're pretty, you know, your, your, your typical basket eight point, which, which before would have been a pretty nice buck. Yeah. But you walk up yeah. on these deer and you see their, their body size and you're like, man, that's a young deer. But I mean, the, the antler There's. size is pretty impressive for that age and, and especially in Pennsylvania and on public land and just going to show how this is really progressing and, and making high quality deer in the state. The one that comes to mind, Dimitri, is the buck that Luke missed two years ago, that chocolate buck. Mm-hmm. He clipped it. Remember we mm-hmm. were kind of going up on him and then another hunter during uh, rifle season got him. And I mean, that was a beautiful buck, big buck. Like again, a I wouldn't say a, an older deer, but his rack was definitely a little bit bigger than than what you would anticipate for like a three and a half year old deer up in that area. Chocolate too, Tom. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful oh, really? buck. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a that would have been that would have been a 
the perfect buck for Luke at mm-hmm. that point in time as a young what did he would have been a sophomore junior? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, around that time frame as a, in high school, that would have been a really cool buck for him to have. But um, yeah, dude. So let's let's talk a little bit about let's how how do we want to go with this? Because I do want to. So the last time he was on, he was talking about his previous year when he yep. shot his nice buck, and which, like you said, it was around that this time last year. Talk about what you did, whether it was. You know, were you shed hunting? Were you scouting new areas going into the spring? Was it you had a certain game plan, whether it was the same area, different area, leading from springtime into summer, kind of that shed hunting, trail camera, inventory right. time, of, time of year. Uh, lead us up into that and what you were going to do for this upcoming year. Okay, so starting uh, this time last year, so I kind of, after – killing that, that, that buck the previous, uh, fall. Um, I mean the, the area that I, that I hunted and, and shot that buck at, I, st- I didn't give up on it completely, but, um, I kind of wanted, I, there's, there's, there's a section of, of public by me that combined is, is close 90 to a hundred thousand acres, which I'm not where I shot the buck at last year. Um, wasn't too far away from there, but, I always had hopes of killing a true quote unquote mountain buck in, in this larger section of timber, which I have been going up there since about 2017 on and off, um, hunting, uh, up there, but it's obviously a lot harder because of of the lower deer densities, but the quality is there. So I kept on coming back to it. So, so this year I decided that I wanted to focus back up into this larger section of, of timber, um, that I had been previously. So I kind of scouted out and um, e-scouted a lot. And I mean, th- this area is, 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 it's very vast. It's, it's a lot of kind of uh, thick swampy areas mixed with just like beech trees, very few oaks. It's just kind of a continuous, uh, if you look on top, oh, it's just a lot of flat top when you're on top of this uh, mountain range um, with very little elevation change when you're up there and um, kind of just not a lot of diversity. Okay. But the plus is because of, because of the, the Game Commission doing a lot of work and the fact that it's a large piece of land, there is a, a lot of management that goes on up there. There are um, food plots that are put in by the Game Commission as well as a lot of um, uh, timbering that has either recently gone on or has gone on in the past. So that was kind of my my draw into um, focusing when I first started scouting. So the the trouble with this spot is too is that it's to access a lot of these roads up there. It's it's all those uh, gravel game lands, travel your own risk areas. So actually, almost a year ago to the date, I was uh, starting my journey <laughs> scouting up there, and it was like. Uh, the road was just a sheet of ice. Like you could see the snowmobile tracks going through there. And I kind of got in this little pinch point where I was right along the stream where, and then on the other side was a, a, a mountainside and it was all kind of like pines and, and very, uh, no, no sunlight coming in and water dripping down. And that thing was like a sheet of ice. And I, my truck actually, uh, I, thankfully I slid and went to the side of the the mountain rather than the the stream, but I had to get a tow truck back in there. I was like very little cell phone service, but thank God that day I had one bar enough to call a a local tow truck company 
to come out and, and get me out of this ditch because again, it was like a drainage ditch on that mountainside for water runoff. And it was probably like two feet the truck was going to topple over. So since then, cautious January, February, and then even March, like we, in the weather here obviously is, is crazy and unpredictable. Like we've got a lot of recent rain slash ice storms. Um, so like the ground for the most part, thankfully all the snow has, has melted off, but these roads kind of hold on to that ice a little bit longer. So, um, that was kind of my struggle. So I didn't really get into those areas last year until about April. Okay. So like the first piece that I, I really spent a lot of time hunting was kind of, um, how I talked about like a lot of the areas kind of flat continuous forest with some swamps mixed in this area had more of different terrain features, a little more mountainous, a little more like there's some bench systems going through. There was a stream going through and there was just a big, probably a few hundred acres of, of, of clear cut in this general area. So to me, that gives me a lot of diversity and a lot of uh, starting points to go off of for, for finding sign. So um, in April last year, I spent a lot of time kind of traveling these benches and, and uh, different uh, kind of uh, where they went through with uh, logging trucks in the past, uh, like skitter trails and stuff like that, and walked all of these and kind of mapped that out. And I was finding a lot of a lot of big rubs, um, big rubs for the area, more so are, there's a lot of different time marks. Just I, I'm a big fan of, of, like, if I see things, I don't know if that's a, a proven scientific fact, but whenever I, uh, I see deer scat, I always look at the size and see kind of, uh, like I said, a small little doe is going to have a lot smaller size pellets than a larger buck would have, I'd presume. So in this area, I was finding large, like peanut butter M&M size uh, droppings that really impressed me. So I felt like there was a good deer in this area. Um, so moving forward into the summertime is when I uh, I really stepped up my game. Every year, I, I kind of increased the amount of trail cameras that I'll, uh, that I put out. I think this year I was up to between like 18 to, to 20 trail cameras. So I just kind of covered this whole kind of mountainside bench system with trail cameras pretty much from the bottom to three quarters the way up to the top. Okay. Um, and then also kind of uh, some areas that I felt like they were going to be traveling in and out of, of the clear cuts. Um, and really since June, I uh, when I first did my camera check, or, or June or July when I did my first camera check, I was getting nice buck on camera already at that point. Um and then throughout the summertime, like I probably, by the time the, the summer ended, I was probably up to five or six quote unquote shooter bucks that were one third or bigger right. in this area. Started to shift was, was November though. So once November came, um, I started seeing a lot more daytime activity of deer. Um, so unfortunately, uh, I had a wedding out in California on November 4th, which I don't know if you guys remember um, <laughs> that weekend. It was like, I don't know. It, it was like the perfect weekend. The temperatures finally started to drop. Um, I don't think there was any fronts coming through, but it just, I just remember looking while I'm sitting there at a, a reception, like <laughs> thinking, Oh my God, like why am I not uh, out in, in the, the woods? Tree. So I'm just trying to, re yeah. So I'm just trying to remember. I, I actually have, um, I wrote down some of the uh, the different deer. I had one one buck that was probably 
I would say at least 140 inches. Oh, he had him drop tying on his right side. See, drop tying Tom. There it is. Other, yeah, there we go. He had this. Uh, he had this another um, time coming out in between his G two and G three. It was it was really kind of cool. Um, he came out on uh, what time was that at? At four twenty one on eleven five. So again, I was probably starting my first cocktail at that time. Um, so he he went through, um, and then I had another deer running by at ten forty five in the morning on the fourth which he was a nice eight pointer probably 120 inches so seems like november 4th and november 5th for that area um really is when the daylight activity really turned on nice um so i I got back from uh, the wedding and i went out um, the next few days and actually november 10th i was sitting in a stand kind of it was um right along a creek and uh the clear cut kind of like the closest kind of um, like where it kind of funnels together is probably maybe 75 yards from the creek to the start of the clear cut. Um, and, and that area um, I had found a lot of uh, community scrapes. And uh, once the, the rut kind of kicked in, there was even more so scrapes around that area. So that's where I set up. And I had one of the uh, shooter bucks that I had been after. He was actually like a homebody. I had pictures of him. He was the first buck I got on camera in June and he hung around all summer and into the fall. Nice. He was a beautiful 11-pointer, probably high 130s, low 140s. He was dogging three doe, chasing them through the clear cut and around. So that was kind of heartbreaking because he was he was dead set on, on chasing them. There was no way I could have. I tried right. grounding him, trying to get him to stop, but he just was after them. I think I remember, Tom, you posting pictures of that trip saying how beautiful and how great of a time you're having. <laughs> yeah. yeah, until I got back and checked my trail cameras and yeah. then, I, <laughs> so what then sucks, I saw the deer that I was missing. So what sucks, too, for you in your situation of checking your cameras, where you hunt, too, you've tried doing cell cameras, but you know they, they don't work uh, because of the cell service yeah. in that area. But I, I do want to just quickly go back. Uh, and just, I was having a little bit of, uh, audio issue on my end, uh, not okay. on your, yeah, your, I couldn't. yeah, you couldn't hear me, but we heard you loud and clear, which was perfect and appreciate you kept going with that. Uh, mm-hmm. the April scouting trip, just because that's coming up, like for us, we've been able to get yeah. out a little bit on our own. Haven't really had a chance to connect just because, you know, I've, we both been kind of busy. It just seems like we have birthday parties and other things going on for, for family members and stuff on, on the weekend. Uh, Mm -hmm. what you were going from bench to bench to bench. And like you said, you started bottom, you went about three quarters your way up. What were you putting your cameras on specific sign or were, were you just looking at, okay, this is outside of thick, nasty stuff and a decent trail Were were you going on trails? Were you going on scrapes like, or rubs just kind of, what was your, your thought process of, as you were laying out those cameras, just because I'm thinking for myself now coming out in two weeks, you know, up in that area, yeah. just to put out some cameras and, you know, th- and then, so that's like part one qu- of the question. And part two is yeah. how did they, how did it evolve as far as like changing them? Obviously, if you check them, you don't get a lot of pictures on it. Besides that, like, were you saying, okay, hey, I did get something, but you know what I mean? Just kind of elaborate on that as well, how they changed for you going into or during hunting season. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as the season progressed, I actually backed off on the cameras that were on 
right on the edges of the clear cut because the activity kind of dwindled down. And at that bottom level, I was I was mainly getting activity in two different spots. One of them I left there all season, okay. and it turned out a scrape kind of popped up during the rut in that area. So I was happy I left my camera there. And then the other one I ended up finding out that there's a good uh, – the, the deer were kind of funneling through, not necessarily where I had my camera pointing, but was coming kind of like on the side of the picture, I noticed. So I, I adjusted my camera a little bit. And I think that's where they were crossing this creek because they had to, if they were coming off this mountainside, they had to cross the creek to get into um, like the food plots or not the food plots, the, the uh, clear cut, the feed and everything. Right. So that, that got me thinking about kind of, that would be an ideal spot to, to, to set up a camera along that, uh, the creek this, uh, this year again too. And actually the one day I got on my stand in like, early afternoon just to kind of scout around like the beginning of November. And I actually saw three doe cross at that spot too. So it definitely was a nice funnel of where the deer were, they're moving back and forth. So that's kind of the bottom areas. And then working my way up, honestly, a lot was just kind of a trial and error the beginning of the, of the season. Cause again, I'm coming into this spot new in March and April. So I, I did me and another buddy. We actually did find a scrape, on one of those bench systems. So we did uh, put a camera on that, which ended up being productive all summer and all uh, fall. It definitely was a community scrape that they were using. Um, and then as the season progressed, I, I ended up finding more scrapes off of that area per se um, on these, these different benches right above it. So um, that's kind of where I, I uh, put my next cameras. And then it just kind of was keep on moving myself up. The problem is what I should have done, which I didn't, and I will do um, for next season, is I never really put cameras on the very top, which I wish I had because I think a lot of the the activity early season was was occurring higher up on this mountain because right. they're getting less pressure and all those all the pictures that I was getting when they were coming down halfway and then into the the bottom to to go feed, they were all nocturnal at that point. I've heard on other podcasts people talking about how um, a lot of times if you find that late season pattern, it, it kind of mimics the the early season as well. And, and during rifle season, I did climb to the top, and, I, and we're talking about I think sixteen hundred feet of elevation you have to gain from the bottom to the top. Um, so it's it, it's up there, and uh, I went up there in rifle season, and I, I bumped a buck up, and it was it was a nice area, and I, I did put a camera in late season. And when I pulled it after the, the season was over, there was a lot of daytime activity I was getting of does and possibly shed bucks up there. So huh. that's a spot I'm definitely excited to, to see and kind of figure out if it's going to kind of play into the early season pattern too, as well. And, and I think trail cam location is, is pretty crucial. And I, I know that's one area I struggled with a lot of time, you know, before talking to several people here on the podcast and kind of really gained a lot of knowledge of, of the location where I need to gain the right intel with a lot of these deer. Because, you know, we all know that, you know, if, if you are able to on different types of land or what state you hunt, you know, putting mineral down to get that picture, right? You know, we've all done yeah. that or, you know, the obvious, put it on a scrape or, you know, 
where we know the buck's going to travel potentially and gain some intel. But I think the thing that I'm, I'm growing on is, 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 like you said, is try to learn where that travel is that mimics different times of the year yeah. where you can kind of piece that information together to gain that intel. And I, I, I when I was walking in, in March this year and I was kind of, you know, there's still some snow on the ground and seeing where the bucks were traveling on the ridge side, uh, you know, and I was thinking in my me- mind, taking mental notes of saying, oh, right here would be a good place for a camera summer into fall to see how that summer transition into the fall movement pattern might change a little bit that way I can use that intel in you know set up my stand location at a specific time so you know you almost it's almost like a math equation where you're you're piecing these things together and you're taking mental notes or you know marking on your um, hunting app of where you need to put these these cameras uh, and and gain that intel and knowledge at that time of year because it's always going to change right especially with these mountain bucks and how food sources are going to change and and cover might change a little bit as well so i think you know how you're saying is you got to piece that together you know and just not put it on like find a trail right you're going to gain limited information with that but you got to look at several times a year of how those deer are moving and then set up your trail cams accordingly yeah, because I mean this this mountainside it, it's it's thick. It it probably was clear cut as well, probably eight to ten years ago. So it's it's there's really the only real way to travel there, especially in the summertime, is is on these these benches and on these old like skitter trails and stuff like that. So the deer are obviously using it, but at the same token, it's it's also very hard to hunt because in, in the early season, like you almost have to either ground hunt it and sit kind of right on the trail and hope that one walks by. Like, I don't really know. I'm still trying to figure out what the best strategy is um, for that early season approach. And again, the, the, the trail cameras are nice because they you just cast a big net to kind of learn. And I think it, especially for big woods hunting, kind of you have to build that year after year kind of inventory and pattern of kind of where these deer like to spend time and, and how they're moving through the landscape. I mean, I'll tell you, there's just this one particular skitter trail that, that I found. I, I mean, I, I could have shot three or four different bucks if I was in those spots on the fourth or fifth, or also the, uh, 14th and 15th where, where prime days where multiple shooter bucks were walking through that area. Um, so I will pay attention to that and will make sure I I'm there next year in that time. But, um, I think it's just, it's just kind of building off of previous knowledge and previous Intel and, I have, I have multiple buddies that kind of either hunt the area or have hunted in the past and we share ca- trail camera information and it is really, it, it's, it's crazy to see like how far these deer actually travel. Um, like that one I was telling you about with the drop tide on the, on the one side, like that was there in the, uh, the summertime in this clear cut, I actually had a, another tra- camera maybe at least a mile away in this next drainage over this mountainside. And that's, in the fall time, that's where he really relocated it. And I had him multiple times um, on camera once in October and I think two or three times in November. And he came in daylight November 5th. That was one of them that was there when I was at the wedding that uh, came by. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's just crazy to see. And I even, we have, even have pictures. I have one deer that he showed up end of October and he stuck around um, the first, probably two weeks of November a lot I never got a daylight picture of him, but I mean, this deer was, he was 150 plus. He was 
a monster and his body didn't even look that big. Like he may only be a three year old buck, but I, I think I had him on six trail cameras in one evening, just kind of watching how he kind of traveled through that area and on the different, different um, skitter trails and stuff was, was crazy to, to see. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly where he might be in daylight. And I do have, my last picture of him I got was I think December 21st. So he, he survived rifle season. So I, uh, I pray that he's still around and if he's any bigger than what he was last year, he's going to be an incredible deer. So I find it interesting how you're saying about the top part of that mountain of, you know, just mm-hmm. hunting that a little bit of early season, just because I've said it now, I think on the last possibly even two weeks of the podcast of going back home and hunting more so of the top, like, you know, in the years past and prior, we've hunted more so middle bottom, uh, my father and yeah. I, like when I head back home and I just, we've seen more encounters of when my dad missed a big one, uh, that, that we both kind of were had on camera, uh, it was on top and that's where I had the camera photo of him and where, I mean, we've, I got him on my camera that I sent you the day after Christmas that is down at mm-hmm. the bottom, but like he would work that three quarters of the way down or like a quarter of the way down and be on my brother's camera or my dad's camera and circle through. But man, some of those, the hot, big quote unquote sign that you see was more so up top. And that is where mm-hmm. I want to okay. focus on just because just to, just to see, uh, like you said, it's not being hunted and it's not being pressured. These deer could be scoping it out up there and living up there for most of the early season. And I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's just another I mean, and, opportunity. And it could have, yeah, I mean, it could have been me too. That was pressuring. I mean, I'm sure I played a role in pressuring the deer going in there. And, but like, I, I guarantee that there was zero people that climbed to the top of that mountain in archery season. So I'm sure they felt the safest up top um at those high areas and especially in low deer density spots like they just can move so so much and look for those best food sources and i think that's the key early season is you can kind of nail down where they might be bedding at and uh, where they're they're feeding at that that's obviously that's key but like i said in the big woods it's it's even more important that you kind of understand that early season pattern but i think this year coming up i'm gonna really focus on on finding those does. I want to find as many does as I possibly can, because that is where I feel like I'm going to have success in the future is, is, is locating these doe groups because that's my best chance of these deer coming in daylight and walking by um, where I'm hunting at. Because like I said, otherwise they're just, they travel so much and they're so nocturnal. And I feel like these doe groups kind of, they hold up in an area kind of all year long. And then once the rut comes, like you get bucks from all over the, place that are, are cruising by and uh, there's an, another my secondary spot like there was another buck that was probably pushing high 140s that i never had on camera all of a sudden scroll by on a what was it november 14th just walking through so what about some of the in what about some of the intel that you've gained? You know, you had a rough yeah. season, things didn't go your way, you had buck show up when you weren't actually in the area hunting but how are you going to utilize the information that you saw in the stand, you saw on your trail cameras, and use that to not so much just scout the area, 
but maybe game plan of where you're going to be in the fall just based off the intel that you gained from this season? Yeah, so I mean, going into the, in the second season in this area, I feel a lot more confident in this in in that area. Drop a um, friggin' drop I've, time. <laughs> yeah, maybe that drop time will be a little bit bigger next uh, year. So I actually that's why I didn't kill him that this year is because I wanted him a little bit longer. So um, I let him go. But uh, no, I think I, I'm going in with with now an idea of how they're traveling. Um, hopefully, I have similar deer that are going to be showing up again this year, but. I think for me, the key is going to be finding the spot within the spot um, of where I can set up and actually kill these deer. Right. I think that is going to be the biggest step for me going forward um, because I, I know where they're at. I, I mean, I, I know where they're going to be traveling through. I just haven't pinned exactly where they're, they're betting at and which uh, in that kind of situation, they can be betting multiple spots um, every like, said they can be all over they can be on one mountainside the one day and then decide they want to walk two miles and bet on the other one so it's kind of hard to pin down exactly where they're going to be betting every night but if i can find out these corridors that they're traveling most of the time in daylight and and find a spot that i can set up a stand in because like i said these hunting these benches and getting pictures of deer on the benches are two different things i I have to figure out the best way to approach it um on setting a, a stand up because between the the thermals and, and, and the wind and everything, it's 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 definitely tricky spots to get in, and especially the predominant wind was we blowing up the mountainside. It was a lot of like more what would that be a lot of south east southwest winds that we were getting early season. So it would be as I would hike up there, my wind was blowing right up as well. So I'd have to kind of try to come in at an angle to try to not get winded and going in there. So. They definitely the deer the, the these big deer are in these areas because they have a lot of advantages, whether it's their sight seeing down the mountain and having the the wind in their favor. It's just there's the reason why they're they're getting this big in these right. areas. Because that was going to be my next question: is how are you handling your entry and exit routes? Just because of it being more so, you know, because I think. Obviously, we hunt you know mountains and you know the that type of terrain features. But when you hear exit and entry routes, I think most people think the where's the food plot, where's this, and okay, if I'm covered by you know this thing that I planted or whatnot. Like for us, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like we have to play the yeah. wind. Like so, how are you managing that? Just because of you know the the terrain features and and the look not uh, and again. We don't, none of us know where a deer, most of us don't know where a deer is going to be located, but you take that educational guess, you know, how are you managing that? Just because I remember last year, how you were talking about the, the nice little mountain bike you had, you know, rigged up and we, we did, we did more of that this year than ever before, you know, it's just little things like that. So how are you kind of managing that, Tom? Yeah, so so in this in this spot that we've been talking about, there I had three kind of main access routes that I, I would um, go, I would use depending on on how the wind was playing. Um, it's kind of both like sides of the of this mountain. I would either come in from the the north side or the south side, or else I would um, sometimes I'd go right down the, the the middle, kind of through this this clear cut and then would pop up in front or I kind of would use the Creek too, as well to my advantage. And it was kind of like a, a sunken down and there was kind of like a nice, uh, 
it was almost like it years of erosion kind of i don't know what you'd want to call it but it just had nice like sides of uh mountainish like kind of a little ridge system like kind of right above this creek so i'd walk kind of the bottom of the creek a lot of times too um just to help with my wind uh, going through that area so that was kind of my approach going in um in rifle season, I, I did a little bit more kind of exploring okay. and I found a way where I can come up the, the, the backside of this, uh, of this mountain. And, um, that was cause that was an issue I ran into. There was, I think at least two, two times that I was early season that I was going in there where I had bumped deer above me in this, this thick spot that I had previously in, in, in the off season had marked as like, this is where a lot of I was finding a lot of concentration of, of scat and everything in this area. And I felt like probably the doe were hanging out in this area. So that was my issues. I couldn't get up to that level that they were at without spooking them. So I think if I now use this new approach where I kind of come in the back door of them and get above them, that I'll hopefully be in a, a better situation for uh, the next season. So Sweet. that's kind of my, my spot there access, but mountain biking is definitely my my secondary spot, which actually in the off season so far, I, I've probably gone to a half dozen times. This is more so on on the tops of these mountainous areas that are kind of uh, flat now. So there's a lot of different gates and and trails going through that the game commission can can drive. Their vehicles are at, but they're they're closed off to to the public. But you could bike access back there. So I'm using my bike in in those kind of areas. And um, right now, I found a couple nice two-year-old cuts that right now they look completely barren and, and nothing in them. But I'm sure come come this uh, summer and into the fall, they're going to be nice and lush. And right now, I'm just walking. I walked the edges of all of them and just kind of put my tracker on and walk through it all just to kind of have a better sense. Because Spartan Forge and Onyx, I use both of them, and like they're still like, – two-year-old cuts still aren't showing up on on these apps which to me right now I, I like because other people can't see that either right unless they're uh, hiking back in there um and then honestly with the with these new clear cuts it's almost like the edge within the edge like it's a heterogeneous kind of growth that happens there you're gonna have blueberry bushes you're gonna have beech starting to grow up you're gonna have lots of different types of vegetation that are gonna take form in in these new cuts and I think finding those spots that uh, the deer like to spend more of the time in is, is key now. And also understanding, even though, like I said, it, it's flat, there are there are subtleties in the terrain. And there are low spots and high spots in areas that they're, they're traveling more so um, through in these areas. So the, the more you can understand and learn about these new cuts now, the better you're going to be in the future when they start getting overgrown and you, you can't walk through them. So. That's what I'm focusing on right now. And I think that's a, a key word that we keep hearing here on the podcast is clear cuts, right? I mean, multiple guests that we've had on the podcast have told us, you know, especially in Pennsylvania, I would say mostly, yeah. and the success people have had on these uh, clear cuts of public land. And, I, and now that people have said that, I've kind of, you know, when I'm looking on a map I and, and I I don't know if people just because people have said it so many times that it's kind of in my brain. And as I'm kind of looking at maps, we, we just Jeremy and I just kind of scouted a new piece 
couple weeks ago and we want to kind of dive further into that piece i've been kind of looking online on the on the map and coming in from a different route and scouting another ridge and you know it you know there was a clear cut that popped up you know in my mind as i was looking at this aerial uh view of the map and you know i think that's kind of going to be a huge factor of right. things that we need to look further into and 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 scout these areas and and figure that out because there's some really nice deer that are um coming out of clear cuts and these types of areas yeah exactly like i said i mean they're they're as people have said before they're the, with the big woods who plots um like <laughs> when you have the areas that are just so vast and there's there's nothing else like I mean, this is what's going to draw the deer in is, is this, these food sources that are providing cover after years when they grow up and everything. It's, it's just a good, it's a good starting point. Like I said, you don't necessarily have to hunt right on them, but it's going to give you somewhere to start and kind of backtrack from there of, all right, like maybe, maybe it's, it's, they're bedding a few hundred yards away from here and, and not getting to them till nighttime, but it's, it's, it's something that it's going to give you more, deer sign in this area than just kind of whimsically walking through unbroken timber that's right. miles and miles along two i love it this just just fires me to frick out oh my <laughs> i want to go out right now let's i know, I know. And we'll go. i'm like yeah let's get some spotlights um so tom i want to ask because you, you're you were just alluding to it uh not too uh, long ago about you know, what specific dates you had these camera uh, go off with these bucks going by, you know, how are you managing that? Just because I know, like you said, you print off, you know, or you write down, are you using Spartan Forge and looking at the historical data feature to that app? Or are you, you know, c- kind of, how are you putting that in? Because I know like we had last week's guest Lyle Harvey on and he, he, he talked about how he uses that historical data to help him either scout or you know, hunt a specific buck, you know, how are you doing that uh, right now? Yeah. So I, I have both Spartan Forge and uh, Onyx. Onyx is kind of still where I, I mostly use just for like the, the tracking features and, and marking waypoints. And then those waypoints are, are mark notes, notes in uh, of like what I see and in, in, in the sign that I'm coming across. Um, Spartan Forge, I did use this season and kind of like those the, the predictions on on activity which was definitely nice um i still have to figure out how to go back and see how those um predictions matched up with with my dates um but right, i also at the end of the season all these nice buck i'm getting on camera i'll, I'll import them to um I'll, they'll be on my phone and I'll, I'll send them to like a walgreens or somewhere like that that can print off photos and I'm a very, I like to, I need to be able to see and touch things. I, I like to, uh, um, print out, <laughs> that's not wrong, but, <laughs> but, uh, I'll print out photos of all the different bucks and, um, that I've had, um, that I'm, that I'm after or nice ones on camera or potential ones that are upcoming. Um, and then on the back of them, kind of like a, like a, a, a trading card, um, I'll write down like stats, like when, like from the very beginning, like when was I getting these pictures, where was I getting these pictures and a lot of more focus on obviously when the daytime activity was for this deer when he was passing by. Right. Um, just so I can, I, again, if you're, you're just sitting around bullshit with your friends, you can pass these, the, the, the cards around the photos around, show them and just kind of always kind of be thinking about it by looking at them instead of just having them just like, I mean, you look to my phone and I have hundreds and hundreds of freaking deer pictures to, to try to 
go through and find which one I'm looking for at the the right moment. So just having kind of these photos on hand definitely helps me to kind of think more and, and kind of plan my, my future approaches. Yeah. And, and you talked about this was your first year kind of going after the mountain buck, right? And I, I think that's also another topic that's kind of getting more and more popular. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I, not well, that I'm bragging or anything, but you know, that's typically the hunting that I've grown up doing, right. You know, cause I, I live on the top of a mountain and, you know, I've had access to public ground and, but you know, I've hearing more and more people, whether they have private or, you know, ag around them kind of going away from that to, to hunt the, the mountain buck. Right. Um, yeah. which you kind of alluded to, that's what you wanted to do this year, even though you, you had a, Harvard, you killed a beautiful drop time buck, right? Which you knew there's probably good genetics in that area to go back into there this year, right? But you kind of went into this new piece. You know, someone like, basically Jeremy and I had been doing this, you know, um, since we were 12 years old. What what drove you to that? And like, what, what why motivated you to to kind of challenge yourself to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I should say uh, this, this area, this larger section, I actually started hunting there in 2017. Um, so I, I had been in a lot of different places up there. It's just that, um, I didn't really spend the time and in the energy and the focus on there. Some seasons, I mean, maybe I spent 50% of my time up there in, between there and private pieces and, and whatnot. Um, but like this year I really wanted to spend hundred percent of my time up there. So, I mean, even the spot where I, I did shoot my buck the year before, I did put cameras at, but the quality, like there was, I got more deer on camera um, there in general. Like I, I would have, some, sometimes I'd have five, six, seven different doe on camera in some of these food plots in, in this section, um, which was kind of similar to what I had the previous year when I shot my buck. And there was a lot of buck on camera there too, but they just weren't really the the, the quality that I was looking for. And, it seems like since I've been running cameras up in the, this bigger wood section, the quality has always been there. Um, so I, I think it's just that's what kind of drives me to to want to go hunt these these mountain bucks is because of the quality that's there. I mean, I'm in my basement now, and I'm looking at my wall, and some of the previous deer that I've shot and gotten mounted that were on private little pieces that are closer to my house and stuff that are permission that were maybe anywhere from uh, 20 acres to a hundred acre pieces. They're, they're respectable deer at the time when I shot them and I'm proud of everyone that I got, but I'm kind of at that level now where I kind of want to go take that next step. And I, I want to shoot. I don't, I don't care if I shoot 150, 160 inch deer. I just want that, that I don't know, that big Experience. body, tight racked, like just old deer that like has has seen it all and and been through it all and has survived. Like that's that's what drives me right now, and that's what I'm after. If if, if it's a hundred and ten or hundred and twenty inch buck, like I'll, I'll be more than happy to shoot that. But I'm just looking for that specimen that's lived its life and going up and down these mountains that I can barely make up once a day when I go up hunting. That they're doing this all the time and surviving and, and continuing to, to thrive. 
Well, that's good, Tom, because that leaves nice six pointers. More, more <laughs> nice six pointers for me. So, <laughs> hey, I got a couple of nice sixers on cameras. I'm not opposed to shooting them either. So, hey, those fawns are going to get it in Delaware. <laughs> You, uh, you don't understand. I, I still have that video that I look at on my phone where I had that uh, I had the fawn at 20 yards, and I had my my uh, my hand on my bow, and I'm like, do I, do I pick this thing up? Do I just let it go? I'm like, there's no way we can take a respectable photo of uh, all three of us around a, a 40 pound fawn. So what's funny is where I was going through those videos as well, just to clean up my memory card, and just I haven't uploaded a single video onto my my computer that I use for just editing or anything and uh I was watching some of those clips and I was just laughing at some of them from from that trip and that <laughs> that last sit that last night how we were all kind of in that triangle on that alpha, yeah, we were alpha all field kind of circling around that 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 uh, bean field trying yeah, to yeah. hope for something to come out the shoot and we're all like I don't even know we were still sitting in the stand I feel like after shooting hours just like kind of not wanting it to end and hoping that something walked by like yep and remember uh, cuz that was cuz that those <laughs> that wasn't a father and the son came out and we said uh we saw that that was a wife that was his wife she okay. looked like a man but yeah that was his <laughs> wife i talked to them <laughs> yeah so they, they uh well i was laughing because on that that you know big cut that big walkway that fawn came and I was filming it. <laughs> I was just laughing the other night because when I was watching, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I really wanted to shoot that thing <laughs> just because yeah, it would have been real tender. Yeah. It would have been, would have had a, a <laughs> quick, uh, go back to our camp and, uh, fire up the, yeah. but Delaware wood sucks. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was going to burn, but yeah, I mean, that's the great thing is just getting to like, I've even like said hunting around here, like I've met so many great other guys that are, that are hunted in the area and like everyone's trying to like, like you it's not even like a competition. Like you want the, the other person to succeed. Like you want somebody yeah. to have success on these deer. And like, I just, just love that about the, the hunting journey and, and hunt these big wood sections. Like you, you see a guy like uh, even a rifle season now when I was at the top of the mountain and like, I saw another guy like a little bit below me and like he had seen me and he's like, he's like, dude, you're up there. Like, I'm not going to bother you. I ended up coming down and talking to him later. Like super cool. Like just sharing photos, share, like just talking about things and just the camaraderie that hunting can bring. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a really great thing. So going out with you guys, like hunting in Delaware, like that was, even though we didn't kill anything, just, it's just awesome to, to share camp with other Heck like-minded yeah people and having a great time i love it man i hear that pussy in the back <laughs> oh yeah it must be hungry or something yeah. <laughs> i uh what's on the uh what's on the agenda this year i know we've talked and been trying to co try to coordinate things i know you and tim are, are trying to come up with a plan a game plan for fall and you you're getting married at least you're getting married over the summer so you don't have to worry about hunting season and uh, smart man i know but i'm missing tack though yeah, oh. that was a yeah, because yeah, I have to work that. I, I'm getting married on the 11th of June, so I, I have to work that because of my work schedule. I'm yeah. working the weekend before, um, so I, I'm not able to go to TAC this year, which was a bummer because I was going to bring some more uh, Susquehanna cocks um, up for you guys <laughs> for to, Bill. Uh, to drink, but uh, for Bill, yeah. So we cut that one happen. <laughs> well, Bill's not yeah, even I'll, coming I'll, either, I'll, so yeah, I heard he's not going to come either. Yeah. yeah, so that's sad, it's but gonna... I'm sure you guys will still have a great time. Yeah. But, um, no, I think, uh, I really wanted, uh, to go out again for, for elk, but I, I learned my lesson the last time that I don't really want to, uh, go out solo for, for, for elk. It's just, 
they're such a huge animal. And like, if you have success, like it's just going to be a miserable, not miserable, but it's going to be a very uh, long and agonizing process of, of butchering it and, and getting it uh, taken care of and back and everything. So Tim really wants to do a mule deer hunt uh, early season. So I think we're going to, we're going to put in soon here um, a group application, me and him um, for like a high country mule deer hunt in Colorado. So nice. we have like, it's like 75% chance, um, like draw so we'll see I, we got and got screwed last year we were supposed to have like 99 percent odds on getting a wyoming pronghorn tag but that didn't happen because of point creep so so we'll see what happens there and um if if we don't draw that we may try wyoming again or like i said if you guys decide that you want to go to colorado for elk maybe we can figure something out like if we get our mule deer tags um you guys can hunt elk or something like that in the same unit yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we end up doing. I just, I'm excited for it. I just love that this is the time of year where, you know, we're we're so far away, but we are not. You know what I mean? Like in our, yeah, you yeah, know, it's, it comes a lot quicker than you think. It absolutely does, and I'm excited for that. So now, where uh, are you kind of focusing on? So, like you said, I know, kind of, we were just kind of squirreled there, but it was great. It was good stuff. Where are you focusing on right now? Are you going year two to that same? area that you've been kind of going back since 2017 and okay this is what i've learned and using that and moving forward to better yourself for for next season like even like for yes. and, and i'm even talking like right now like how are you changing your your scouting techniques or kind of stuff like that so yeah so that spot um it, it just finally like i, I feel comfortable with the, the snow is now completely gone i'm yep. sure the the roads are are good um, with my work schedule, I, I kind of work, I work like seven days in a row. Um, so once my work week is over, um, on, on Wednesday here, I'm going to plan on getting into that area. Um, again, I was last in there probably in January. That's when I pulled most of my cards there. And then since then, like I've been kind of in the secondary spot just because it's a less hazardous road to, to go on. So that's where I, I had been scouting, but, um, I'm going to hit, definitely hit head back, um, to this primary location from, from last year and I'm just gonna just walk it just keep on like it's it's a big area but if I just kind of break it down and and do different pieces maybe like I go out um I don't know twice a week or so up there and and, and check all this um just maybe start at the bottom walk through the clear cut because it's still low enough right now um growth wise where it's not overgrown enough where you can't get through it I just really want to explore all of that cut because I really didn't get a lot of time to do that um, last year because I kind of focused more on the the mountain itself. So I really want to, like I said, how I did with the uh, the secondary spot. I really just want to map out all of the uh, different the subtleties with with vegetation and all that because where I actually saw the most sign last year and where that buck was on November tenth when it was chasing those three doe was a, um, a corner of that cut that was getting, I don't, I think it's like an early beach or some kind of tree, like a plant that was growing in this area, but it just was like super thick and, and nasty. And and that's where I feel like most of the deer were, were holding up. So I definitely want to explore those kind of areas in the cut. And then from there, just kind of work my way up and, and just cover as much ground as I can and find as much sign as I can. Again, up there, it's the sign is not necessarily. You're not going to find a whole lot of great sign. Um, you're not going to find like 
car hood size rubs or um, scrapes. And usually I don't find huge rubs, but the rubs that, um, that I look for are those ones that are, like I said, are, are super tall and look like they're made by a, a nice frame deer rather than those little kind of four, four inch rubs that you kind of see from likely a spiker or something like that. So right. that's what I kind of key on key in on rub wise. And then, um, I'm, I really want to find areas that are holding a lot of does. So wherever I'm seeing a lot of droppings and everything is, is kind of something I'm definitely keeping an eye on and going to use to my advantage. Um, and then I have all of these, this inventory of, of camera pictures from, from last year. Um, I kind of am figuring out where they're kind of traveling to and from. So I kind of want to expand my range of where I've been to and kind of hit those outskirts that I haven't really explored yet in that area to see if um, I can find anything that's going to enlighten me at all on Putting where they could be hold up. Fitting the pieces of the puzzle together basically with that. I like that. Yeah. That's all it really is. It's just a big puzzle trying yep. to figure all this stuff out. And again, there's, there's so many variables that, that come into picture that even when you do think you have it all figured out, something's going to mess oh, with yeah. you and I'm going to, ruin your chances but that's what why it's hunting that's why it's fun yep now is there any new gear you plan on using this year tom or anything different you're going to switch up um probably not honestly like i i'm really happy with my setup i've i've built a good clothing system um from a lot of different reputable brands i use a mix of sitka i have first light i have some kuyu um and I, I pretty much have my layering system down pat where I, I'm happy with. Um, I have the, the Timber Ninja sticks um, I got had last year. It was the first year using those. And I really love the sticks. The only thing I, I didn't really love was the, the rope, rope mod attachment to it. I just felt like I couldn't get it super secure Snug. to the tree. Yeah. And a couple of times, like with my bino harness on, if I was climbing up and I bumped the bottom of the stick, it would easily pop off. So I didn't really like that. So I was actually in about to switch back to going with the old cam buckles, but um, good old Facebook. I, one of the forums that I was on, I asked a question and didn't get a bunch of asshole comments and actually uh, <laughs> benefit. I, I heard of these, it's called the USA attachment. It's called like ultimate stick attachment um, by the Amstill guy. Yep. And um, if you even YouTube that, um, USA attachment thing, you'll, you'll find, um, a couple of videos where they do like a truckers hitch, I think it's called, um, with that, with, um, uh, that, that rope or that amp steel. And it's, uh, it's, it's bomb. It's, it, it makes it so secure to the tree. And, um, I, that's what I picked up new and I'm really, really enjoying, uh, that so far. So I think that'll be a big benefit and make me feel a little bit safer in the tree. Cause Again, I would go in this in this area where there's no cell phone service, and usually I'm by myself. Like that's all I want is is an accident, and I always carry a Garmin in reach um, with me too, just to to reach out. Because again, be, between almost flipping my truck and last year this time, and I've broken my leg while trekking trail cameras a couple of years ago, and had to get rescued by a EMS in the woods, which again, wasn't fun either. So I've had some bad luck. Uh, so I always keep a satellite phone on me, um, in that case. So yeah. And then my tree stand, I'm still going to stick with the tree stand. I haven't swung over to the, uh, the saddle game yet, but, um, I really like the, I said the out on the limb, the hush tree stand. 
Um, so that's that. And I still have a, a Matthews Halon I'm using, which again is, is I, I didn't really show my skills in tack, but I, I blame that on working night shift and having Tim drive <laughs> and not sleeping. Yep. Uh, why I lost all my arrows, but uh, I really like that bow. So did, did yeah, Tim actually drive or? No, thankfully Tim drove. If I drove, we definitely would have made it there. I don't think the guy ever drove to Utah. <laughs> he drove through yeah. Iowa because that's the he, only time I he either I, slept or worked on his computer the whole time. Well, somehow he drove four hours to Seven Springs, so I will. T- I can vouch that for him. Oh, I freaking love it. Oh man, that's good. Now that's so, good. I, yeah, that's, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give a shameless plug if you go on. Uh, uh, Eastern Backwoods' uh, website, which is, I, th- I think it's like doublesteps.com. You uh, you <clears> can buy those USA Ultimate Stick Attachment, and I think for like a six-foot, you could get them for $23. So, yeah, really cool little – I remember you sending uh, that to Jim and I just because of having the Timber Ninjas at the time. Um, you know, it's a good – good. Yeah, definitely check them out. Like yeah. it's – it was it, – they're – the guys seem super nice too and helpful and like they're just a great attachment method. I mean, you don't, you can use them on any stick, like they'll, they'll work well for. So it's just uh, again, there's nothing wrong with the rope mods. I just personally felt a little more secure having this new attachment method. Yep. No, that's good, man. That's real, real good stuff. Well, all right, man. Well, that kind of concludes uh, all that we had really for, for this moment. I, I mean, hammered all that that good scouting information of what you know how you're gonna use that from that learning experience of one scouting that area and getting through that hunting season and then how you know now connect the puzzle pieces to for next year i mean that's what i love exactly what you said that's exactly all hunting is because i remember a couple of years ago when you know i was i two years in a row i had an encounter with a buck and at my dad like going back at home and and using that experience and i missed and the next year I was like, Oh man, I, let me go to a new year area that I scouted out and I had decent sign, but not like crazy sign. And I set up and I remember seeing how the deer were using kind of the one trail. And I'm like, man, I got to be over there and I want to go a little bit lower. And then I did, and I was success successful. And I'm like, okay, I'm figuring this out now. And then the next year I was skunked <laughs> hunting down there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, uh, you know, here I I thought it was like big dick swinging and going down there and being like I'm here we go <laughs> like November, you know, 5th, I'm going to shoot a deer and um you know what I mean? And yeah, it's just it's a matter of putting in that work. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? I, yeah, you, you just that's what can't think of like a yeah, just because you didn't fill a buck tag doesn't mean you didn't have a successful year. Right. And I think if if you're hunting these kind of areas and and you're expecting to fill a buck tag every year like you're probably going to get disappointed because right. it's not easy. It's tough. So it's just like, I consider my season a success. Like I, I was in more deer and, and quality deer throughout a season than I, I ever yep. had been in the past. So I chalked it up as a win. Like, yeah, I didn't, didn't kill one, but uh, like I said, it's, there's, there's plenty. I'm s- still alive out there for, for next year to go after. So mic drop right you just there. Just got to keep on grinding. <laughs> yeah. And I think, Boom. I think you, you learn a lot more when you eat tag soup because you're yeah. motivated yeah. and you want to do better next year. You know, if you kill a deer every year, it's going to be hard to keep that motivation rolling. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. And and like you said, though, Tom, yeah. you, you've had success. You had a, a goal for yourself. And again, your goal wasn't necessarily a, I got to shoot a 150 or, or bust. You know what I mean? You wanted to get in there and see a big body buck that, that you put in the work for that you had a lot of, 
camera data on, and if one of those deer were going to come through, you had a you would you would take that shot opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, that's that's I think, that's that's important yeah, that's, to to note. You know, exactly. I think two of the, I, I went to I went to one back to where I shot my buck the year before, and I did see deer. That's it. And I went to another spot that was closer to home. That it's a public piece, but um, a, a lot more. De- higher deer density and i saw deer so i'm like all right like i still know what i'm doing because again you sit eight days in the stand not in a row but eight different times and you don't see a deer you definitely question well, all right, like what the hell am i doing like why am i not seeing a deer so um it just it's just the way it goes like i said it's just you got to put the time in and hunting these deer that aren't necessarily on a daily pattern of walking by that same camera or that same spot like it's it's you just got to be in, in the right place at the right time and put that time in is, is all it really comes down to. Heck yeah, man. Well, good stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on again and, and sharing that wisdom and just talking to us. I, I love any ch- chance we could talk uh, with you and our good friends. It's, it's what I love doing. So I appreciate you, buddy. Well, everybody, thank you again for tuning in. Check out Tom run scavenge on his Instagram. And if you have any questions, he'll be more than happy to answer in uh, big woods, Northeast PA hunting. So Check them out. And then like in the in the words of uh, Cameron Haynes, just got to keep on hammering. Yeah, keep hammering, man. Thank you, dude. Have a good one. Antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you again, Tom, for coming on. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Definitely check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our Go Wild pages. And we will see you next week. And have a good one. Antler up.